What's up, guys? We are back. It is another episode of On the Fly after a long absence, which, wow, wasn't planned or anything like that. And, man, what can I say? COVID sucks. I'm going to tell you that. I, I was diagnosed August 8th with COVID, and uh, that was on a Monday I knew it when something wasn't right, but I didn't think, I guess in the back of my mind, I thought mm, it might be, but didn't think it was that. But yeah, diagnosed on August the 8th, went, went home from the doctor's office and I was like, you know, wasn't feeling the best, but wasn't feeling God awful. And uh, when I got home, I was like, well, you know, the worst thing about this is going to be being cooped up for 10 days and quarantine. Uh, the good Lord had had other thoughts for me that night. Uh, yeah, it was it was bad. Temperature, I kept a temperature of like 101 for, for two weeks. Uh, lost 15 pounds in a week, which yeah, I'm finding it hard to put that back on. That's not the way you want to lose weight. Uh, but you know what? My family was, I'll have my daughter and my wife got it. Uh, my brother got it. Uh, my parents, to a certain extent, got it. And, you know, I look at it as bad as it was. I was just blessed that it wasn't, you know, as bad as some others have had it. You know, some a lot of people have passed on from this stuff. Uh, a lot of people in the hospital right now, some good friends of mine in the hospital right now, we're praying for. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not fun, guys. Uh, take this seriously. Uh, stay safe out there. And I, I just really, <clears throat> you know, when I got on Twitter, I didn't really, at first I didn't really take to it. And then <clears throat> when I came back to it and, and started getting getting to know people on there, uh, other podcast people and just people in general that I met from doing, from my posts and, and from the brackets I do, uh, I didn't really think it would be like a family thing, but I'll tell you this. I didn't think I would be missed, and there were several people that, that reached out to me. I want to thank the Shout Out Loud podcast guys, uh, Tom and Zeus. They checked on me. The Playlist Wars guys checked on me. Uh, BG, you checked on me. You know, uh, Kiss Dude, he checked on me. Uh, the guys, the guys at Dead Sl at Dead Sled Coffee, you know, we had an interview to do that day, which I still want to do. I still need to get in touch with you and set up something. It was so refreshing to see people check on and be concerned, and people say, "Where is he at? What is going on?" And uh, let me tell you guys, it it was a long. I was out of work for three weeks. Uh, Got back to work, worked about a week, and that was a tough week there because you, it just zaps your strength, uh, and, and it's hard to get it back. Uh, got back to work, and uh, Albert 
me and where I work got it. And this is a, you know, I have a manual. I'm a meat cutter. I'm a manual labor guy. So these guys were out. And for a week, I was back there doing the stuff by myself. Excuse me. It's still hard to get my voice right. You know what I mean? My voice is not exactly right from all that stuff. It's funny what you're seeing. But anyway, ended up working 80 hours in a week. So that kind of zapped me, too. I was planning on coming back that week to do the podcast and it just didn't work out but guess what we're here now and on the fly is back and we've got a we got a really good show for you uh we're going to talk about <clears throat> excuse me i'm telling you i, I hate to keep doing that we're going to talk about an album that turned what 38 38 yesterday from September 26, 1983, Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil was released. And we're going to talk about that. <clears throat> we're going to talk about the whole album, go song by song, talk about a little, little bit of the facts of that. Um, yeah, and, and we're going to talk about some, we're going to get started with some other stuff. Uh, we talked about COVID, and one of the things about that, I did, you know, you really don't feel like doing anything. But one thing I was able to do when I got feeling a little bit, I started listening to, to my music in one of my one of my challenges to myself back in I think it was late March was to listen to a to one album a year no one album excuse me one album a year one album a day to have at least 365 album whole albums listened to in a year and I'm well over that now well I'm not going to thank COVID I'm just that time I had with COVID uh, I I was able to listen to to more because that's really all I could do. I mean, I I couldn't go anywhere. The fever was keeping me down. I mean, that was it got me to a point where I was depressed, and and music really, really helped me out there. And uh, of course, I want to thanks to my wife and my daughter for taking great care of me. My parents, my my parents took great care of me too. What they could do, bringing the stuff. But yeah, so <clears throat> this weekend I got to listening to some. And, you know, there's some albums I remember back back when they came out in the 90s that I didn't really appreciate as much as I do after listening to it now. One of those, and this is one of them I come, came across this weekend, Extreme. Of course, everybody knows their big album, Porno Graffiti, with more than words, was a mega hit from that. Well, their follow-up was Three Sides to Every Story. And I, I don't even know if I listened to it over there. I bought the cassette back when it came out. And I don't even know if I listened to it the whole way through because, you know, Stop the World was the single that came out of it. And that's a great song. But listening to this album, and it's a totally different takeoff from what you heard on Porn Graffiti, if you haven't listened to it. Uh, it's a little bit political. Not a little bit, but a lot political. <clears throat> but, uh, you know... I heard Warheads, and I was like, where the heck was this song at? Why didn't I listen to this? Color Me Blind. Oh, my gosh. Great song. Nuno plays his butt off in this in this album. Um, Stop the World, of course, is my favorite. I've, and, you know, <clears throat> you kind of feel guilty saying that, but you've heard that more than anything. I guess in my... My favorite may change as I listen to it more because I will be listening to this more. Uh, 
you know, I, I just listened to it and I was like, God, this is a great album. How in the world did this not? But at the time, the time this came out, it was the start of the grunge era, and all, and all this, all this kind of music was kind of getting pushed to the wayside. Um, not for me though. I tried, you know, as much as they would come out with. I tried to listen to as much as they came out. I was never, you know, there was some of the grunge stuff that I did like, but that's not one of my favorite eras of music. Um, I guess when that started and the the eighties rock or the eighties metal kind of started fading away. That's when I got more into to 90s country. And Zeus, I have not forgot, we're going to get that set up. Uh, Zeus from uh, Shout Out Loudcast, we will be doing an episode of On The Fly talking about our favorite 90s country. You know, he's a country fan. And this is one thing I want to say, too. And they've said it on there, and a lot of people said it on their podcast, Shout Out Loudcast, they've said it on their podcast. They do the album focus, and they do a lot of different albums. What rule is there wrote down somewhere that just because you listen to a certain kind of music, you can't listen to another kind of music? I mean, I listen to 80s metal. I listen to country. I don't like country as much now as I used to. There's some songs. My daughter's big into to country stuff. That doesn't mean I can't listen to that country stuff. I used to think that when I was listening, when I first got into the 80s stuff, I used to think, well, Country, I'm not listening to country. And in the 80s, country was not something I would listen to. Um, now, the 90s, country, or, yeah, country started coming along for me. and But I'm not handcuffed, and neither should you be. I'm not handcuffed by listening to one, by listening to uh, docking. I mean, I can't listen to Garth Brooks. Or I listen to Kiss, and I can't listen to uh, Clint Black. I mean, or Toby Keith. Come on. Just don't be that narrow-minded. See, I, you think outside the box a little bit. I do. And I mean, it, this. I'm keeping record of all of these albums I'm listening to. And I'm telling you, if you follow me on Twitter, which you should, at On The Fly, on Twitter, uh, you'll see that when I listen to some of this stuff, I'll put up there, I'm, this is what I'm listening to now. And there's there's been more country here lately than there has uh, metal. And that's just what I'm going through. That's just where I'm coming to. I've got them all wrote down what I want to listen to, and that's what I'm going to. So, another album I listened to for the first time all the way through, and man, was it a struggle. And I know these 80s guys, you can't, you know, they're getting up there in age a little bit, and it kind of looks silly for, it, for an older guy to sing about the same stuff he did when he was... Uh, in his 20s or 30s, but come on, Bon Jovi. And this has been a steady, steady transition for him. It's been over the over the years, it's, it's kind of gone to this. I listened to 2020 the whole way through. And, uh, yeah, it was a struggle. This this is the same guy that talked, that sang about social disease, bad medicine, uh, you give love a bad name, Fun stuff to where after listening to 2020, I was I was depressed. Let it rain, lower the flag, blood in the water, uh, American reckoning. It's this is a political album, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. 
I don't think many Bon Jovi fans out there, and uh, unless you're a diehard Bon Jovi fan, could like this album because it's totally not Bon Jovi. Uh, there's no living on a prayer here. There's no better roses. There's no born to be my baby here. I mean, th this is one <laughs> one of the some of the lyrics in one of the songs, and I can't remember. Talking about a Russian hack, and he repeated it like three times, a Russian hack, a Russian hack, a Russian hack. Living on a prayer to a Russian hack. Not, this This is definitely my least favorite Bon Jovi album. That And, you know, I don't know. I guess it's just me. When I hear music, I want it something. And, you know, I know every once in a while you're going to have a sad one. But... <sighs> And even if you have lyrics like this, if it's got the kind of melody you like, a, a lot of these songs sounded the same. A lot of these songs sounded the same to me. And I don't know if it's... Maybe it, I'm just throwing this out there. Has a lot changed with Bon Jovi as far as songwriting since Sam Boyle left? That's just a question I'm throwing out there. I'm just asking you people out there... Is, is it different, a lot different, or was it going that direction at the end of Sam Boyle's time with Bon Jovi? I don't know, but I know one thing. I'm not a fan of this album. 2020 is not for me, and uh, you may disagree with me, and that's fine. That's another thing we need to talk about here. People getting so butthurt over another person having different opinions. If somebody's got a different opinion than me, that's fine. That's what makes this world great. But that doesn't mean that you're mortal in the enemies. Doesn't mean you hate that person. Come on, guys. Let's get it together. All right. Also, some news. Let's talk about a little bit of news coming out. Uh, Guns N' Roses comes out with a new song. Did you guys hear this song? Hard School, which is going to be part of a four-song EP coming out, I think they said in January. Uh, Hard School, I listened to it a couple of times. Typical Guns N' Roses, old-style Guns N' Roses, hard-rocking song, and I loved it. I'm looking forward to this, which what I'm seeing, they're going to do Hard School, and it's going to be another new song, and then they're going to do kind of like G and All Eyes, but kind of a shrinked G and All Eyes. They're going to they're going to have two. I think Don't you, Don't Cry is going to be. They're going to have a live version of that on there, and I forgot what the other one was, but yeah, it's going to be two new songs and two live songs of the of the older songs. Um, listening to this man, it, it was it just takes you back, and this is. A lot of people are saying nobody wants to hear the old the old guys sing new stuff. BS. I've said this several times on my on my podcast. If they're going to put something out, I'm going to run to it. If I don't like it, then I don't have to listen to it. I mean, it's simple as that. If you don't like something, don't listen to it. I can't stress that enough. It's, it's so easy, but, you know, people are different and uh, just not me. All right, another new song came out this week. 
one that I'm really excited about, and you guys should be too. If you haven't given these guys a chance, you need to. I've had them on, had uh, the lead singer of Warren Meredith on my show. Great guy. These guys are so great. And, uh, you know, Tame and Sorry. They put out a new song this weekend. I think it debuted on Friday. The video came out Saturday called Crazy. And this is a this is a upbeat, feel-good song that, you know, if they play this in concert, this is really going to get the crowd going. And I'm sure they will. This is really going to get the crowd into it. Uh, I talked to Warren a few times about it this weekend. After I got a sneak peek on it a, a few weeks before, and, man, I was pumped. And to, to see, to hear it come out, I think it was on uh, some radio up in Canada. But if you want to check it out, it's available on, on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple, uh, wherever you find your music at, it should be available. But I, I know Apple and Spotify, and you can you can sure find the video on YouTube. Uh, check it out. That's, uh, I'm looking now, I'm looking right now at uh, what Guns N' Roses is talking about. The physical editions of, of the new song, Horror School. Uh, let, me, let me check up on this. This is just coming across. It's going to be a four-song CD and cassette edition. Cassette, wow. It's going to be on February 25th. And it's also going to include the recent studio single, Absurd, and live versions of Don't, Don't Cry and You're Crazy. Uh, it's also going to be a 7-inch black vinyl on June 24th. It includes a hard school sticker. Only features a live version of uh, Absurd on side B. So this looks like it's going to be the start of something here. I think there I've, I've heard that they're going to be uh, recording a new album. They're, I heard they already were with you know Izzy and, and Slash and Axel. So uh, it, I, I'm excited about it. I don't know about you guys. This this should be great for this kind of music, for rock music. Uh, it's the start of something, guys. You know, everything comes back around, and I think this might be the case here. As we were talking about Tame and Sorry, Listen to Crazy, man. It is so great. And listen, while you're at it, check out their other stuff. Uh, they've got some great songs up there. These, this is an up-and-coming group. I think you're going to hear big things out of them. All right. Let's get to the main event. 38 years ago yesterday, we were recording on Monday morning, September 26, 1983, Motley Crue releases Shout at the Devil. Now, let me tell you my first encounter with Shout at the Devil. Uh, my cousin, one of my cousins, he was big into rock music. I was I was a Kiss fan, and I would listen to other stuff, but mostly a Kiss fan as far as metal music or rock music at that time. Then, go to his house, you see this album. He had albums a lot of albums and you see this album and you see the cover with these four guys up there questionable whether vince neal looked like a guy i've heard a lot of people say you know i thought vince neal was was a girl 
Uh, not as bad. As, you can't say that and then look at the poison. Look what the cat dragged in them. They all. I swear, I thought they were all girls. So he turns us on, and this creepy music starts playing. I'm like, what the heck is this? And we'll talk a little bit about that in, in just a few minutes. And then you hear the the leadoff song, Shout at the Devil. And I was hooked. And after that, I kind of got hooked on, and this was probably what was responsible for me to get back into metal music or to get into it. I wasn't really into it. Like I said, I was a Kiss fan. Uh, and then I was like top 40 music fan. But this is what led me to get into Metal music. This is what led to me buying those episodes, oh, the episodes, buying those magazines at the at the at the supermarket, buying the Hip Paraders, the Metal Edges, the Circus magazines. Which, if I had to pick between those three, Circus magazine would be my favorite. I used to always love Circus. Um, I don't know about you guys, but yeah, this is what got me into it. Just hearing that. And, you know, you're kind of scared of it at first because of the title. Especially, at, I was, what? I was just getting ready to turn 10 years old. So, you're kind of scared of the look and the and the title. And then they had the pentagram. So, you're like, what are these guys? You know, devil worshippers or something? And, you know, I didn't, didn't want to think that because everybody always thought Kiss stood for Knights and Satan Servants. And I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, but we'll talk more about the, the devil worshiping thing in just a few minutes, too. Um, yeah, so I was hooked, went out and saved money and bought the cassette. And I played it. I wore it out. And then you had to, I had to go get more Motley Crue stuff. You know, the, you know, Too Fast for Love. Check that out. I got that for Christmas. And then, of course, you were, you were so psyched. For the next Motley Crue album in Theater of Pain comes out, which is a totally, I mean, and you looked at Theater of Pain, compared to look at the cover or the, the, the way they dressed from Shout the Devil to Theater of Pain, you're like, who are these guys? And, you know, I, I didn't do the whole they sold out thing, but, you know, I guess it was easy for somebody back then to say, Motley Crue sold out, they wanted to go top 40. But, uh, yeah, Shout the Devil, and, and then people were saying, you know, I remember buying Theater of Pain and being so excited about it and listening. I wore that out. Even the, the smell of the cassette, they had some kind of deal with that, and it was so great. You remember the long cardboard cassette holders they had for a little while back then? And they were cardboard, but they were decorative, of, and they had to do with the album cover. That's what that one came, Theater Pain came in with me. And I was like, wow, this is so great. And now over the years, the more I listen to the, to the Motley Crue stuff, this is probably my favorite Motley Crue album because it got started for it. That one and Dr. Feelgood, that, I would put that as a tie. Uh, but this is what got me started. Three singles off the album. Looks at Kill, Too Young to Fall in Love, and Helter Skelter, which is a Beatles cover. Uh, Looks at Kill uh, peaked at number 54 on the Billboard charts. Too Young to Fall in Love peaked at number 90. I don't think Helter Skelter even charted. Uh, produced by Tom Werman, who was a legendary producer. He's worked with like Striper, Twisted Sister, Poison, Dokken, Lita Ford, just to name a few. And also worked on Theater of Pain. 
It's certified four times platinum. Went to number 17 on the billboard. Sold 200,000 copies in the first two weeks. Uh, and I mean, you got to think, this is when people were buying albums and buying cassettes back then. It's not digital, and, and you, you had to go to a record store to get it. And I miss those days. I really, I love having, I love the technology, and I've got everything at, right at my, at, at my fingers <laughs> where I can just pull it up whenever I want to. But I, I've said it many times, I miss the hard copies, holding the hard copies in my hand. And I know vinyl's back out, and, and from what Guns N' Roses said, cassette may be coming back. But, you know, it's seeing those liner notes. I think one of the one of the things in the liner notes from Motley Crue's Shout the Devil recorded, uh, one of the things, lots of Quan. I think that was, that was their uh, terminology, their secret terminology for cocaine or something like some kind of drug there if i remember right nick morris talking about that of course we talked about the pentagram that drew a lot of attention from a lot of different people a lot of uh christian groups a lot of uh church groups the pmrc was were hot on this album they wanted this out that was one of the one of the filthy 15 uh one of the songs up here was one of the filthy 15 and we'll We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Critics didn't really care for it to come out, which Village Voice didn't like it. Rolling Stone, surprise, surprise, didn't like it. I don't think Rolling Stone likes good album, good music. Uh, I always gave Kiss a hard time until they tried. They put out not their worst album, but one of the worst albums, The Elder, and they tried to pan that as a great thing. But, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about what, especially what Rolling Stone said. Because uh, most of the time, and you know, nothing against you critics out there, because I guess I am sort of one here on this podcast. But a lot of times with the movie critics and and the music critics, the TV show critics, a lot of you don't get it. A lot of you don't get what people want to see or listen to. And... Uh, I don't know what it is, but, you know, just like a critic came out and criticized Dumb and Dumber for not having a great story, a good storyline. Are you going to Dumb and Dumber to see Dumb and Dumber to, to watch for a storyline? Are you going to laugh? That was hilarious. It's one of my favorite comedies. And I didn't go looking like, you know, I didn't go, I didn't come out of that theater going, you know what? I really wish there had been more of a story to it. I was like, you know what? That was hilarious when the cop pulled him over and drank drank the pee out of the uh, beer bottle. That was hilarious when they came into town and, and Jim Carrey peed on Jeff Daniels or vice versa, whatever it was, and froze to him. Give me a break. Uh, first reaction, we talked about that earlier. Uh, I had to go out and get it. I was I was hooked. And, uh, you know, back then I can't remember if you had the the cassette tape built in with the record player where you could record it or not, because I probably tried to do that. But, man, it was awesome. And let's talk about these tracks. Let's go one by one. In the beginning, the intro, Alistair Fiend, who was actually Jeff Workman who worked on the album, but 
to hear that eerie music come on. And it's just like setting the stage for everything. It's like talking about good triumphing over evil. Uh, now, many, many lifetimes later, beaten down. Only the corpses are rebels. Stuff like that. And then you said, be strong and shout at the devil. Perfect intro. It just sets the tone for this album. And then you go right into that guitar intro. Shout at the devil. And, I mean, perfect, perfect intro to it. And it, that you hear that shout, come on. And, man, it's just like from there, let's go. And then you hear Vince Neil hit that shout at the devil. I'm not even going to try to hit that note. Uh, but just a great kicking butt song. And, I mean, Tom Zudot, and I know I butchered that name, who, who got the band signed to Elektra said the band actually wanted to call it Shout With The Devil because they were dealing with, you know, if you saw The Dirt or read The Dirt, you know, the story. They were, they were and I know Nikki Six, I don't know if the rest of the band, they were, they were dealing with some uh, Satanism. They, weren't, they said they weren't worshiping the devil or anything, but they were experimenting with it. And he said, he, Zudok said, he witnessed a knife, and a fork on a table rise up by itself. And he said he thinks that Nikki Six actually tapped into some kind of evil. And he convinced them, Nikki Six, to change it to shout at the devil. And then Nikki Six, you know, agreed after some of the uh, some of the stuff that was some of the weird stuff that was going on. Uh, I got to say, <laughs> if I'm sitting there and and a knife and a fork rise up off the table without me doing anything. It's not a joke or anything. I'm probably not going to have devil in it at all, but luckily uh, Motley Crue made the sacrifice, and we got a, a great song out of it. Some of the references in there you listen to, my head spinning round and round, but in seasons of wither we stand and deliver. That's references to Aerosmith's song, round and round in seasons of wither. Evidently, Motley Crue's big Aerosmith fan, so that, that was a, both of those were references to, to Aerosmith's song. Just a great song. Shout the Devil, probably one of my favorite Motley Crue songs, and for some reason, not a single released on this album. I don't know if it was a controversy with the Devil uh, part of it, and they were already getting heat from that or what, but, you know, publicity was there. The third track, Looks at Kill. That comes. That's one of these singles released January fourth, nineteen eighty four. One of my favorite Motley Crue songs as well. There's so many great Motley Crue songs on here. Uh, the video <laughs> post post war settings. I mean, you had the whole fire everywhere. You had people walking down the street. People looking for food. And all this stuff, and and they're uh, they're fighting with people, you know. <laughs> what was with that back then? Because you you always saw. I mean, look at look at Kiss around the same time as well. Kiss with uh, with Lick It Up, with Lick It Up, and All Hell's Breaking Loose videos. It's post war stuff. It's what was with this tone back then? One of these, one of these, uh, 
<laughs> one of these guys, directors, just thought, yeah, hey, let's do this, and it caught on. I guess it was just a trend then. Uh, so they trap a group of women in a cage while performing their song, while performing the song. And in the middle of the video, the warrior queen <laughs> appears to release the women before confronting the band. The band follows and surrounds her, but she disappears and just leaves a flaming pentagram on the ground. Weird video, but great song. Yeah. So I, I, we'll, we'll touch on this post-war. I can't say apple. I can't say that other word for some reason today. And I practiced it last night. Number four, Bastard. Now, this was a song that Tipper Gore and the PMRC named to their filthy 15 because it talks about killing somebody. Bastard. Consider that bastard did. Bastard. Make it quick. Blow off his head. So, I, looking up stuff on this, and there, this Mick Mars and Nikki Six have both said, this song was about a manager who they who they were with it stabbed them in the back. It felt like they had done them wrong. And this song was about him. So never said who the guy was, but, you know, I'm sure that guy's got a feeling that that was about him when he came out. You know, yeah, that's about me. So I, I might be a little wary of uh, being around Motley Crue if they wrote a song about me called Bastard and Make It Quick, Blow Off His Head. Uh, and then you've got an instrumental by Mick Mars. God bless the children of the beast. And you know, some people don't like instrumentals. I I don't mind them. Sometimes they go a little bit too long. This one is like a minute and 33 seconds. It's got, to me, Mick Mars is, is on point on this whole album. There's so many songs in here, so many solos in here that he kills it on. And we'll talk about that too. But this this instrumental is just great. It's, it's a good go-between and a good intro for the next song, but he kills it on this. Just I, I can't say enough about it. It, it. As an instrumental, this was one. This would be an instrumental that I would put in my probably put in my top ten list. If we ever do a top ten list of rock instrumentals, uh, God bless the children of the beast is, is going to be on there. He just does a great job. And Mick Morris, like I said, doesn't get enough credit, not only for how he played, but what he dealt with when he played. That bone disease that just turns your bones into, like, stone. And he's still up there. He may not get around and fly around in, like a lot of these guys, but he plays his butt off. I mean, you can't say enough about Mick Morris. Probably the unsung hero of Motley Curry. Then it goes right into Helter Skelter, which is a Beatles cover. You know, Helter Skelter was one of the first rock songs, and the Beatles did it. So Miley Crew decided to cover it. Nikki Six said, not a big Beatles fan, called her music wimpy, but said this was one of his favorites. And Miley Crew kills it on this. I remember, and any time I, back then especially, when I heard, oh, they're doing a cover. Doing a cover on, on this album, and they, Motley Crue did some covers. And, you know, Smoking in the Boys Room. Uh, they did Jailhouse Rock live on on Girls, Girls, Girls. But when I'd hear a band was doing a cover, I said, just because I'd like to hear what their take was on it. 
especially if I'd heard the song before, you know, uh, Helter Skelter I'd heard before. Uh, hadn't heard Smoking in the Boys Room before. Of course, my mom was a diehard Elvis fan. We listened every Saturday while she was cleaning the house. Elvis was on. Uh, Elvis was on the record player and blasting all over the house. So, Helter Skelter, you know, it was okay to me. At the time, I wasn't, you know, they played it great. They, they made it even heavier. But I was not that big a fan of the Helter Skelter on this. There were so many great, other great songs on this album that it, 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 it'll be in, you'll see it when I do the rankings. Red Hot. This is borderline speed metal. I, you know, I wasn't, when I, when I would get to Red Hot, I was like, you know, not, not a big fan. But it's grown on me over the years because I think he, I think when you hear the crowd, when they get ready to do the chorus, and you hear the crowd get into it, you hear the crowd noise. I think that's one of the great parts for me. Uh, the chorus is pretty good. The, in, the lead into the chorus, and then another great solo by Mick Mars. Like I said, this is going to be, you, you might as well get, get ready because that's going to be a constant for the rest of this album with me. Mick Mars. Great, great job. Not one of my favorites on the album, but we'll get to that shortly. Too Young to Fall in Love, the second single, like we said, peaked at number 90. As good of a song as it is, and as much as people remember, you know, it's, it, it wasn't on the first two, uh, wasn't on the first two Greatest Hits compilations. It wasn't on Decade of Decadence or, or Greatest Hits. It came a later, but another one of those videos, here we talk about, <laughs> video concerns the members of the band coming together to rescue a young Asian woman from the clutches of what appears to be an emperor-like figure. You know, you got footage of the band performance on video. It also contains a fight scene where the band members fight the ninja slash samurai guards of the emperor. However, it was then revealed that the young woman is willingly submitted to being a servant to the emperor, prompting the band members to leave, shaking their heads in disbelief and disgust. I don't know if this was the one where they threw the the pentagram. It was either this one or looks at Kill that they throw the pentagram, and it's kind of like <laughs> on Superman 2. When they throw the, when Superman throws the Superman symbol and it wraps up the, uh, who was it Zod or was it the other guy that didn't speak a lot? One of them, I can't remember. Uh, by the way, Superman 2, one of my favorite superhero uh, movies of all time, but I've got to say, you know, it, it, it is done well with age. I'm not a big fan of Superman movies that have come out recently, and I'm getting off track here, but you know that just reminded me of that. Uh, we'll talk, maybe that's for a different episode. The video also has a little bit of humor. Uh, before Tommy Lee leaves, he tries to sample with some of the Asian food in the Emperor's Kitchen. The guard tries to kill Tommy. Tommy knocks him out using a heavy sack of grain. He then tries a little food and then grimaces and spits it out walking from the kitchen in disgust. So they threw a little bit. It was a little bit of uh, kind of like the humor in the uh, All Hell is Breaking Loose when Paul does the little sore thing and Gene just grabs his grabs his eyes and, and just shakes his head. So let's go to the next one. Knock 'em Dead Kid. 
hard rocking song. I mean, probably one of the hardest on here. And this is based on a counter Nikki Six had with the Hells Angels. Uh, you know, <laughs> how does this guy get in the middle of everything? Uh, somehow or another, he wound up in a fight with a group of bikers, even hitting one in the face with a chain he'd been wearing at the belt. But the Hells Angels turned out to be undercover cops. Six was bit, badly beaten in jail, resulting in a black eye and a broken cheekbone. After being released from jail, he was inspired to write a song about the ordeal. So that makes makes sense. I've always wondered about this song because you know it had to come from somewhere. It actually, it always felt like it was it was something that actually happened to somebody. That's the kind of songs that I like, real life experience. And I mean, this wasn't the best real life experience for somebody like uh, Nikki Six, but you know, look at the real life experiences this guy had. Look at the look at the Doctor Feelgood album, and and you tell me this this pales in comparison to anything he went through with Doctor Feelgood or uh, before he got himself cleaned up. And hats off to Nikki Six for for staying sober as long as he had. I know he's he, and he's been around a lot, and you know he's been around the stuff a lot since he got clean. For him to be able to keep himself straight like he has. Uh, one of the hardest working guys in show business. They've kind of taken a step back. He's he's outspoken, but this is a smart guy. You can tell. Listen to him. This is a smart guy. Love Nikki Six. <laughs> Number ten. How this didn't get on the filthy fifteen, I didn't know. I don't know. An ode to premature ejaculation. Ten seconds love. I felt guilty. Listening to this without my headphones on when I was like nine or ten years old, I had no idea what they were talking about. But you kind of, you know, my brother kind of like, you know, what they're talking about. Uh, yeah, no, but uh, one of my favorite Molly Crew songs, and like I said, Mick Mars just kills it again on this. If you if you're not a fan of Mick Mars, listen to this album, and you will be after this album. Uh, I, I just, but 10 seconds left. You listen to Vince Neil, and, it, and the first of the song, he kind of sounds out of it, which he probably was a little bit. Who, you know, they were doing a lot of alcohol, drugs. There was a lot of that going on during the recording of this album. So he just sounds like he's out of it. And then it kicks in, and you, and you hear it. And he's back to normal. Ten Seconds of Love, and not only one of my favorite albums, probably one of my favorite Molly Crew songs. Danger, the the final song on the album. As much of a ballad as you could say a ballad on this album, which this is an album, you know, back then the formula, and not so much right at this time, but maybe in the later 80s, 86, up till it faded out, there was a formula on these albums, you on these rock, 80s rock albums, you had a hard rock song came out started with, then you had a, a upbeat song, then you had your ballad, and all and every every 80s group that was I guess what you would call mainstream, unless you're Grim Reaper or somebody like that, you're gonna have a a ballad on the album, and these guys. 
I guess this was much of a Danger was the slowest tune on the album. You're in danger when the boys are around. This is Hollywood, you know, stuff like that. But chorus is okay. Not one, not my favorite. It's an okay closer. I probably would have closed with something different, but it's okay. This is not one of my favorite Molly Crew songs. If I, matter of fact, when I hear this, I don't. I haven't listened to it all the way through in a long time. Uh, I listened to it not too long ago. Like I said, listened to the whole album. So listen to it. And it doesn't. It ha, it hasn't grown on me. I'm sorry, Motley Crue fans, Motley Crue the group. Danger just isn't one of my go-to Motley Crue songs. It just doesn't do do anything for me. But you know, and you'll see that in just a few. Minutes. You'll see that in just a few minutes. Um, overall, like I said, right up there, I would say this album, Doc Feel Good, are my two favorite Motley Crue albums. Um, and not just because it got me started, but it's got so many great songs. And Mick Mars, like I said, is is at his best to me on this album. So let's do the rankings. Let's start from eleven to number one. And no surprise here, we just talked about it. number eleven for me. Below the instrumental, below the intro, is Danger. I just can't get into it. Number ten, God bless the children of the beast. Number nine, the intro in the beginning. Number eight, Bastard. Number seven, Red Hot. Number six, Knock 'em Dead Kid. Number five, Helter Skelter. Number four, Too Young to Fall in Love. Number three, Looks at Kill. Number two, Ten Seconds to Love. And number one, the title track, Shout at the Devil. Like I said, great. I'd give this, if I'm giving five stars, I'm giving this one, if you know, rating up to five stars, I'm giving this one five stars. Just great album. Loved every minute of it, you know, except the end. Danger, I could have dealt. If they'd have left Danger out and just left ten songs, I think it would have been, you know, perfect. And, you know, we'll talk about Dr. Feelgood another day, and we'll talk about what I think about that one. We'll talk about all these Motley Crue albums as we go along on the fly. What I want to talk to you about now before we go, uh, check us out. You can check this podcast out if you're listening, of course. You're checking it out somewhere. Apple, Spotify, uh, Anchor. I'm on several different platforms, but mostly I I know a lot of people check out those three, Anchor, Spotify, and and Apple. So all the guys that have checked me out, I'm – Thank you so much. All my friends on Twitter that keep up with me, over 1,800 followers now, which I know that's probably not a lot to some of you, but that's, you know, my next goal is 2,000. I think I'm at 1,824 now. Uh, and I and appreciate you guys listening to the past episode of my podcast. Check them out, guys. I've got some great interviews with some, some guys up there, uh, some more great interviews coming, some more shows like this coming. And I'm not a big fan of doing these things by myself. Usually I have company in here, but, you know, with everything going on the way it is, it's kind of hard to get yourself, you know, get everything set up. But we will have we will have Billy back. Billy Parker is my, one of my co-hosts. Lynn Bryant will be back, one of my co-hosts. Check out our sports podcast on the final score. Uh, well, that's coming back this week as well. We've been out of that for a while too. Uh, so check that out. But before we go, if you follow me on Twitter, and if you're not, Please follow me on Twitter. Uh, you look up on the fly, 
And uh, when I say on the fly, fly is F-L-Y-T-H-E. This is my last name. And it's not flythe. It's not filthy. It's not flithy. It's flythe. Fly. And see, you made me say it wrong. Fly. The T-H-E is silent. You know, where everybody always asks me about that. And I say, you know, I live in North Carolina. You can tell from the accent I'm from the South. And when we go somewhere like the hospital or something like that, we have to give our name. Uh, and we'll, spell it, we'll tell them what it is, and then we'll spell it out for them, and they still say flight. And I'll explain to them, flight is from, if, they, if they're flight, they're from up north, or they're the rich, rich version of our family, which I don't know a rich version of our family, but they say flight is fly. We call it fly. So uh, check them out on the fly, F-L-Y-T-H-E. Before we go, one of the things we like to do on our Twitter is we do brackets. We do, you know, the, the best song from a band, like we, we've done Journey. The last one we did was Journey, which, no surprise, Don't Stop Believing came out as a winner. Uh, but there was a lot of great Journey songs. We do 64 songs. And this, and right now, we're going through from September 4th. 1982, the top 64 songs that week, and we're down to the final four. So check it out. And get I'm getting ready to post the, the poll up. Get your vote in. Uh, the final four, and this is a great final four, guys, if you're a fan of the 80s. Vacation by the great, the great legendary Go-Go's, soon-to-be Hall of Fame Go-Go's, who are talking about they've got a lot of good stuff ahead for this year. Uh, I know Gina Shock did an interview with uh, with uh, some one of the uh, one of the web pages talking about they had a lot of stuff coming out. Tough matchup here, vacation from the Go Go's versus and a group I just love and I love I've, I get more and more into them over the year. Rosanna by Toto, so that should be a great matchup. You know they Rosanna just beat out. I ran so far away by a flock of seagulls. Vacation just beat out Abacadabra by the Steve Miller Band, which was the number one seed, was the number one song this week. I think Vacation was number eight. Rosanna was number, at the time, Rosanna was number 29, probably on the way down out of the chart. And then uh, I ran so far away was 37. So let's go to the other side of the bracket. Another great group, Survivor, and a song that just took off. And you know why? Rocky Three, Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger was the number two seed, and it will face off with John Mellencamp. And, you know, what is his name now? A lot of people, I see John Mellencamp on his Twitter. And I know he was John Cougar one time. He was John Cougar Mellencamp. But now I'm saying, you know, I'm just trying to put up there what he is now. And somebody called me out on it. It's not John Mellencamp. It's John Cougar. And I was like, well, you know, that's not what on his Twitter. Hurt So Good by John Mellencamp, which was number seven. So some upsets here so far. But John Mellencamp, Hurt So Good versus the Eye of the Tiger. This is the five. No, I'm sorry. That's who that's who I the Tiger beat. It's another John Mellencamp song. Probably his best uh or what he's more well known for. Jack and Diane. Jack and Diane, I think, was number Wow, what was Jack and Diane over Eleven at the time. So they just beat Should I Stay or Should I Go by the Clash? Who made it further than I thought they would. 
They were 46, the 46th seed. Uh, but I, the Tiger, by Survivor, goes up against John Mellencamp's Jack and Diane. So John Mellencamp had two songs in the Elite Eight. Now we're in the Final Four. Trip to the finals to be the heralded and much, you know, the, this is one of the biggest honors ever, I'm sure. The final score, 80s challenge bracket. So Vacation versus Rosanna. I, the Tiger versus Jack and Diana. Check us out on Twitter, guys. Check us out on Facebook. Follow us. Uh, got my fingers crossed. We've been dealing with the internet, bad internet, in a the small town that I'm in for a while. And it looks like we're finally going to get a, a break and get some high-speed internet here. And that hopefully before, hopefully before the start of the year, for the end of this year. Uh, I know they, they've been looking around town. The internet people have been looking around town. And that, this is a problem that a lot of you don't have to deal with. But this is why I really can't branch out with, with my podcast and do a whole lot. We've done some Zoom calls, and they went good. But I'm just – I want to do more with it, and this is what's hindering me. But more good things to come from on the fly and the final score. That's going to do it for this week, guys. Next time, we'll be talking about another album. Maybe we'll have a guest a guest host in here. One of our guest hosts will be here, hopefully. But if not, we'll be back to talk about the latest in music news, and we'll hopefully we'll talk about another album next week. And uh, and we'll update those brackets, tell you who was the winner of this week's bracket, and talk about the next bracket that we've got going on. Maybe a movie, maybe a uh, maybe a band's greatest song. We'll tell you more about that. We'll talk about that next week on the fly. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great week.